0: Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We're going to be talking about finding yourself. Finding yourself. And I feel like uh, this idea of finding yourself... So often we go through, uh, people go through counseling sessions that that often bring about so much baggage, so much history, just from our childhood, things that we didn't even know we were dealing with. And it it often gives this imagery that our identity is given to us by the actions of others. And today, what I really hope that you find in this message is that your identity is independent of what others do to you Um, just today we're gonna be looking at the story of Jacob Uh, last week we we really focused on his brother Esau today we're gonna be looking at Jacob and giving him a second chance and this whole topic about finding yourself we're gonna look at Jacob's life to um, to relate to ours so let's start off where it all started in the past. Let's get into the, the nitty-gritty of our past today. And when it comes to our past, it really helps us to understand ourselves right now. And our identity can become an image of our past instead of the person we were created to be. Let me say that again. Our identity can become an image of our past Instead of the person we are created to be. Starting off in in the part of the story where Jacob is about to steal his brother Esau's firstborn right blessing. And that's what he's most well known for, is stealing this blessing. And we're going to take off in Genesis chapter 27, verses 5 through 16. And this is right before he takes the blessing. And it says, in this part of the story, Esau had just left... Um, to go hunt wild game to cook for his dad so that he could uh, so that he could give him his firstborn blessing and while he's gone right when he leaves it says but rebecca overheard what isaac had said to his son esau so when esau left to hunt for the wild game she said to her son jacob listen i overheard your father say to esau bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me and do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? he'll see that i'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me but his mother replied then let the curse fall on me my son just do what i tell you go out and get the goats for me so jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother rebecca took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way isaac liked it then she took esau's favorite dish uh, esau's favorite clothes which were there in the house, and gave them to her, her younger son Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of his, of the young goats. And so, this is a really weird story, and I find that often peculiar peculiar stories give a lot of potential for a great lesson. And starting off with this this moment when we are, whenever we have regrets in our, our past it's often mixed with the root of control. Let me say that again. When it comes to the regrets of our past, it's usually intertwined with our desire for control. In this story, what we see is Jacob's only hesitation is really about, what if I get caught? But the part of him that is willing to do it is the idea of being able to control his future, being able to control that firstborn blessing. And the decisions that we regret are totally motivated by a place of insecurity in our ability to control. Even when you think about the um, just simple stuff, even the idea of the first time that we we did a drug that we regretted this let's look there not even uh, talking about things that we've done to others things that we like entirely regret when it comes to relationships let's just look at uh, the idea of doing certain drugs that we regretted even that comes from the root of not being able to control your situation to where you want to numb the pain because you can't control your emotions and so you you do something regretful in order to re- control the emotions you feel right now. Does that make sense? And that's just on the simplest level. Not when we go into bigger and better regrets, it all comes down to this idea of not being able to control the situation. So you go out of your character, you go out of what you consider morally acceptable, and you do something that you regret later because you wanna control. And now let's also look at this part of the story where in his past, he was completely coerced by his own mother. And a lot of trauma that people face while growing up are often mixed with somebody that you trusted coercing you into doing something you initially thought was too far Jacob has reservation in this whole plan that his mom brings up. And he's saying, well, well, what if we get caught? Even that is still a hesitation. Like, this is kind of too far, mom. And she's saying, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll deal with the consequences. Don't worry about it. Just do it. And anyone that's been alive long enough, you know that you always have to end up paying for the consequences of whatever you decide to do. Even if someone's like, oh, don't worry. I'll pay for it. I'll do that you still have to end up paying for it in some way or another and there's not a way out of the consequences of those regrets even today it's years later and you're still you still have the consequence of guilt or regret weighing over you even if someone coerced you to do it because at the end of the day we all have a choice and In this moment we we never focus in this bible story we never give any focus that he was pushed to do something he does he didn't want to do initially we make it out to seem like jacob is just this this horrible person from birth and that he he did this all out of his own free will when in truth he was pushed by a family member that he trusted to do something that now he is known for the most by this decision and his his mom doesn't get any of the blame And the last thing that I want us to think about when it comes to our past is how confusing it is in the moment. Our past is riddled with these confusing dilemmas where we become someone else entirely. It's so easy to look back and be like, that was dumb. But in the the moment, all of our emotions produce this confusing dilemma to where you have to you have to give yourself a break when it comes to your past and understanding your simple humanity. We're all human. And of course I can look as a rational person back at, uh, back in time and say, well, I shouldn't have done this because if I was just patient, this would have happened. Well, yeah, but when you don't know the future and you're in that moment of worry, you're in that moment of angst, it is so hard to just not react in this confusing moment with something that feels like a, a more reliable method, even though it's against your integrity, even though it's morally wrong. And we often just lean towards it, uh, what we often lean towards going too far, becoming this person we're not, when we're entirely confused. And the mo- just that simple moment of confusion, if you can go back to your past and you're thinking about these specific situations you can most likely find that you were you were feeling confused in the moment and it's because there's a part of you that thought it was wrong or thought that it was not right or there's just something up and even with all that though with with the lack of control we had the the coercion we had from people we trusted in just this confusing moment now we have this past that has regrets now we have this past that has really defined who we are. And back to what I was saying earlier uh, at the beginning is you go to any counseling session today and uh, and it's usually just painting your entire identity with your past. Well, because your mom coerced you to do that, now you're this person that is so sensitive to mother figures (laughs) you're you're this person that if a female ever asks you to do something you feel anxious because of that and it starts defining every little part of your personality every little part of your identity and i really don't believe that's always healthy i think it's it's a great way to identify traits in our past and and bad habits and things like that but i feel like it gives this false self-image that we are completely determined, our identity is completely determined by other people and what they did to us and our interactions with them, and I just don't really believe that that is the truth um, of who our true, of what our real identity is supposed to be. I want us to, to follow along in this story, and I want us to talk about your calling. We talked about your past. Now let's talk about your calling. Our past, our. We often believe that our identity is painted by our past. But now let's just look for a moment at our calling. Even in our running, God's calling can bring us back to who we were meant to be. In this part of the story, Jacob has already been sent away by his parents because his brother's ready to kill him. And as he's running away and fleeing for his life, it, it it's this moment where he lays down to rest And has this amazing vision of angels going up and down to heaven. God is speaking to him and giving him this like crazy affirmation and blessing. And look what it says. In chapter 28 of Genesis, verses 15 through 22, it says, "'What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you.'" Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he sat it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil all over it, And he named that place Bethel, which means the house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide for me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God, and this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So this story, this part right here gives a lot. It gives so much imagery and we can unpack a good amount here. So starting off, this idea that says that God was with him. He says, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. At this point in the story... Jacob has not done anything good his entire life. There's not one point where it showed him as a Boy Scout. There's not one point where he had even a a repentant heart. He's fleeing for his life without regrets. He he hasn't even had a come to Jesus moment. And it, it says here that God is literally calling him as he is running away. Before he did anything significant, before he did anything good, And what this shows us is that God's love and his grace is so great. And it sees us as our potential instead of our past. God's love and grace sees us as our potential instead of our past. And we don't even realize that he is with us even when we're trying to run away. I feel like so many of us can relate to this idea That God had protected us at different points in life. So many people, if I were to say you shouldn't even be here right now, but God protected you, er almost everybody like that's so true, because we know how how crazy we've acted in life, and we think, man, you know, that car wreck, or that time I did this really really dumb thing, or this this time or that time, and we think, man, I really shouldn't be here right now, but God he had to been protecting me. And what I want us to do is expound that thought because we often, we often just leave that there into this like spiritual essence of, of this, this greater power looking out for you, but you never really face that greater power. You never really address that greater power. You just like the idea that hopefully he protects me even when I'm dumb. Hell yeah, that's great. But Let's really understand how great that love actually is because what it means is that all of our fears of being seen as this, this horrible, ugly person that God has nothing, doesn't want to have anything to do with is actually not true. He sees Jacob not as a deceptful, thieving little jerk. He sees him as who he was created to be. He's not seen by the stains of his past but how he was originally created to be. And I I'm, I feel like that is such a powerful thing to understand that God sees you like that. That God's love for you is so unconditional that he loves you the same when you're living like hell and when you're trying to get right. That his love for you does not increase or diminish by how good or bad you can be. That it's consistent. And we need to take a moment to... to to affirm and accept and acknowledge that this grace and this love is incredible that even when while we're trying to to Heisman stiff arm God out of the way from from embracing us he is still chasing after us i mean this is a beautiful beautiful story and what i also want to point out is that this moment he has this epiphany and realization that God is calling him even after everything he did, it says, and he was also afraid. That's where most of us stay, is that also afraid moment. Because even when God calls us out of darkness, we have a fear of being exposed of not being good enough for the calling. We have this fear of not being good enough for God. And we're, we're still, it's like he can see us for our potential, not for our past, but we can't. And this moment where he has like this realization, of like, wow, God, you are really there. And that means, you know, everything I did. And that that's what brought up all of that fear and insecurity. And I want us to move past that emotion because most Christians or most people stay in this emotion right here. Fear, fear, and they sit on the, the fence of Christianity and having a real relationship with God because of that fear of not being good enough to please God. We have this fear that well I, I already know myself and I'm gonna I'll mess up within by tomorrow or within a week. there's no way I can please God. I can't just change overnight. And so we have this fear and we stay in that fear and that emotional experience and never move forward. And we just kind of keep God in that same place of, of, well, hopefully God will still protect me. Hopefully God won't send me to hell. And it's just, it's just an ugly place to be because it's like being proposed to and never giving an answer. You know, just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you thought of me. But what if I'm not a good enough husband for them? I'm not ready to answer yet. That's insane. You, you, that person would obviously, they wouldn't have proposed to you if they didn't want you, right? In the same way, God wouldn't have called you if he, if he didn't know the true potential you have, the true greatness inside of you. And so you don't have to be so afraid. And I love what Jacob does is that he chooses to shuck off that fear. And he says, if indeed God will will be with me and protect me, if indeed God is calling me, then I will do this and I will do that and I will do this. And what this means is that the calling of God has to be met with some type of action and commitment. Action and commitment. Not just saying that we're going to do it, but the action that follows it. It's at that moment, that it becomes an answered calling. An answered calling. So many of us are just leaving that phone ringing and ringing and ringing, and we're just like, well, God's calling me, like, well, but I'm afraid to pick up. Dude, you need to, like, act. Stop putting off tomorrow, 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 when today is today. It, it is so unnecessary to be afraid. If indeed is calling you, you should answer, and and just put your best foot forward. You don't have to be so afraid. Do your best and forget the rest. Not one human being is perfect. So why do you have this impression that you have to be? It's just it's just something that's keeping you stuck when God is calling you to move forward. And so now that we have this idea about our calling, and a, there's a lot of different ideas and topics when it comes to your calling. I, I really believe that there's a difference between like, your calling, and like your direction in life, and your purpose. I really believe that as you walk out your calling, and really just a relationship with God, as you walk out a relationship with God, your purpose will be revealed. It, the, and sometimes our purposes are time-based, to where our purpose in this season is this, and our purpose in that season is this. And there's not always like a lifespan purpose, or like, God called me to be an astronaut. That's my purpose. It's it's not really that long of a timeline when it comes to purpose. Sometimes there are short-term purposes that God has us for, and there's also multiple purposes that it's just like this idea that your life is very multifaceted and so you have multiple purposes to fulfill. Your calling is is more so really just engaging this relationship with God and intertwining it to where it's your lifestyle. And your calling becomes so unique and just apt for every part of every multiple facet of your purpose. So now let's go into the fight. The fight. We talked about your past. We talked about your calling. And now we're going to talk about this fight and finding your true identity that's what we want today is finding yourself, finding your true identity untainted by others. It's no longer I am who I am today because of my what my parents did to me or what that person did to me or what she said to me. No, my true identity untainted by the people around me, untainted by church, untainted by any, what any pastor has told you, untainted by others. This is the one one of the biggest fights you will ever face in your life, finding your true identity. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 31, we find Jacob married with multiple kids, and he, is, he had just left his father-in-law that gave him a taste of his own medicine, and now he's, he's trying to go back home, and he hears his brother is coming to meet him. The last thing his brother said to him was, "I'm gonna kill him when when I see him again," and so he's he's nervous as heck. He's about to face his past, and we just like we learned last week, Esau had already found so much freedom in forgiving Jacob, and so this point Jacob's at, uh, he's actually all of this fear and worry that he has is all in his own mind. He's built it up greater than it really is, and. He's more so afraid of being punished for the things he did in his past. But what happens in this part of the story is that hes it's uh, is where we take off. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. Dangerous place to be, all alone with yourself and your thoughts. And then a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied, and then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named that place Peniel, which means the face of God. For he said, I have seen the faith God face to face yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Another bizarre story that we find, and with bizarre stories come unpacked, powerful lessons. And I want us to start off with this idea that Jacob is alone with himself. How many of you guys have had this horrible moment where at the end of the day, you lay down for bed. And what happens? You are now alone with your own thoughts. It's horrible. The worst. And you start thinking about your day, everything that happened. You start even worse thinking about tomorrow. All Before you know it, you're thinking about three months from now. You're starting to think about your life. Like, what am I doing with my life? And you're just getting all over the place. And then you go from the future and being so worried and and scared about fulfilling some type of purpose that you don't even know yet. So you go all the way into the past. And you're like, man, I can't believe I did that. And you're dwelling on all these past issues. And now you got Thanksgiving coming coming up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to face my family. I'm going to have to see them. And the last thing they said to me was this. And this is all happening as you're just trying to go to sleep. And before you know it, 30 minutes and the hour goes by and you're like, man, now I'm going to be tired tomorrow. How am I going to make it the next day? You see how dangerous just being with ourselves can be? In this moment, Jacob has self-reflection, just like so many of us do. And the difference from turning that self-reflection into a, a roller coaster of anxiety is that he brings it to a conversation with his creator he he brings it to this moment with his creator that he's struggling with and when we have self-reflection in a conversation with our creator it can cause some of the biggest internal struggles that come up from our past to arise and actually finally be dealt with we often just bring up all those internal struggles bring up all that self-reflection and stop there We need to bring it to our creator, bring it to God and conversate with him about it because it goes from this moment of being alone to himself to where once he's wrestling with this, this supposed stranger at the beginning, it's like, what the heck is happening? And we realize that it's like this, this angelic presence. It's this, this super spiritual experience. And there's a moment where he's saying, let me go. The dawn is breaking. And he's like, I won't let you go. And letting go, just stopping right there. Letting go is really this place where it's deciding on the things to hold on to and the and the things to let go of. This is the work of building up our own character instead of the one someone else formed, uh, formed you to be. I believe 100% that... When we face God, the closer that we get to him, the more we find our true identity in him. It, it, is, it is so anti-traditional church thinking. We've been taught or raised to think that we're supposed to be like everybody else at church. That if I become a Christian, if I, if I give my life to God, then I have to become this Christian facade. And it's just not true at all. You're not supposed to dress differently. you're not supposed to talk differently. I mean maybe you like to try to stop cussing, but you don't have to change everything every little part about you it's It's so much more than that i've what I've found is that before I gave my life to Christ, my identity was completely painted and stained by the world around me. Because of my experiences, because of the pains that I went through. I became a person that was bitter, that I I thought that I enjoyed hurting people, I thought that I enjoyed stealing, I thought I enjoyed doing drugs, I thought that I wanted to be a professional criminal, <laughs> I, I thought that that's what my identity entailed. But when I gave my life to Christ, the closer I got to God, the closer that I would get to Jesus the more that i'd find this new identity that i that was actually my my always my true identity and instead of being uh instead of being a thief i found out that i was i enjoyed being generous instead of belittling people or hurting people i realized that i actually truly enjoy lifting people up encouraging people building them in, up and and uh into into A self-identity that's worthy. I like helping people. I thought that I I enjoyed doing drugs and I liked numbing the pain. I now haven't done any drugs for over 10 years because i found a peace in God so much greater. I I thought I wanted to be a professional criminal and now I'm a, a church planter. You know, how different my identity has become not because anybody told me to behave like this, But it was a natural reaction to coming closer to Jesus. And so I want you to understand that even logically, it actually makes perfect sense. Because he's your creator. If I were to create a computer and it got a virus from being on uh, bad websites or something, from being in the world... It would have to come back to me for me to purge it of that virus, back to its creator for me to, to for me to reset it back to what it was originally made to be. In the same way, that's what happens to us. We have this this virus of sin in the world that continues to to mess up our hard drive. But when we go back to the Creator, He He purges us with this like antivirus blood of Jesus that 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 truly just makes us be uh become who we were always meant to be and it's not stained by even our childhood our traumas I mean those things affect our personality yes but it does not have to determine your future it, it is actually so possible to find an authentic pure identity in Christ that is detached from the things that we've experienced in this world and I want you to focus on this part where it says from now on from now on you'll be known as israel i mean how poetic is this this situation happening notice that he says from now on you'll be called israel and even right here jacob is wrestling with this this figure all night and he won't let go and he's this guy saying let go of me says i won't let go until you bless me because jacob is still in the mindset that his identity and his future is determined by what others do for him by what how others treat him so he's saying you must bless me and and then all of a sudden he says what's your name jacob and then he says you'll now be known as israel and it's this moment where he's he finally is like about to let go and it's, it's this moment where he's this given a new name. He, he's really entering this new identity. And it's so poetic because it says the sun was rising and this place was, uh, he names this place the face of God, Peniel, because he saw God face to face. He faces God and has this new identity as a reaction. And just as he has this new per- this new identity, this new person rising up from the ashes, so the sun is dawning as well. The new day is starting just like this new person is starting. That is so much what it is like when we meet God face to face. When we have a genuine, authentic experience with God, this new person just comes out of it. No ma- Even if it's just like a day experience, no matter what your day is, have you had those moments where you just go to church anyway, even though everything was yelling at you not to, and you meet God there and it when you leave, it feels like a new person. Like you just feel refreshed. Like, man, I feel like I I don't even I'm not even carrying those things that I walked in with. I'm coming out this new person. And facing God just changes the way you walk through life. And As you see yourself with this renewed identity, it will rise you more into the person you were always created to be. And what I I think is most profound is that it says that he walked away with a limp because of this injury. I believe that so often we have formed our identity to be so ingrained by what other people have done that when we change and have this moment to see our identity in Christ It often hurts, there are tears in our heart as we let go of those pains, our past, people. And when we let go, there's an injury. But what happens is that you walk differently in your life. You walk differently as a new person. And what we see is that this wasn't just a a vision that Jacob had, that this was a real experience. And when you face God, it's, you need to understand that you're having a real experience with your creator. Don't look back and tell yourself, the AC just turned on. I, I wasn't really feeling God. I just was, I was just emotional. You're discrediting a real experience that happened between you and God. And it, it will, it these experiences will change the way you walk through life. And I strongly believe that that this is the, the truest form of repentance. We often hear the word repentance and it is like this holy word that just seems so spiritual and like scary. Repentance just means to, to change course and to change direction. So when you, when you realize, I feel like the more and more I read scripture, the more and more that I find how down to earth God is. And it, it, it is just saying to change direction. and If you could imagine that, that's a lot of what like God is calling us to do is that we're on this dark path, not because it's like all these demons are around us in darkness, but it's like this dark path that is not edifying to our life, and we know it, we feel it, but we're just like, well, what else is there? And when you find this face-to-face moment with God, it calls us to change direction, to walk in the light and to walk in this new path. And it's not that it's exceptionally like, you know, different. It's not like our whole world is different, but it's like now I actually feel peace in what I'm doing. I feel edified, like my life, I feel like I'm on the right path. I don't know how like the right words to explain it, but I know that this direction is good. That is what repentance looks like. And there's a change in our hearts, there's a change in the way we walk and the way that we go through life. And it happens with just this moment. Of having a conversation with God and finding yourself and finding your identity. I love what Gabriel is saying right now. That's like a scar that you can show others in our testimony. Our past is so much like a scar that was wounded and that we healed from it, but it still doesn't have to change who you are. It's just a moment that you can reflect on for for experiences, for for a lesson, a life lesson, and also of how you want your future to be different it's just like a history that's what scars are is a history lesson and they're so helpful to look back on and so don't make your identity about the scars but about about really this this moment that you are learning from that you are connecting with your creator and and just finding more and more of who he uh, made you to be never try to you don't have to try to be like somebody else find God, and you will learn how to be yourself. With that being said, I want you to have a moment of prayer. I have this moment where we pray together, and I don't know where you're at in your journey, where you are in this message. Maybe you're still thinking about your past, and you're like, man, I just, I cannot believe how they pushed me to do that thing I didn't want to do. And you are you still have been seeing yourself all this time Did determined by what others have done to you. Maybe you're in this moment where you're like at the calling phase and you're in that moment of fear of stepping uh, into a place of action and commitment. And it seems like it's, you've been waiting weeks, maybe months. Some of y'all have been waiting for years of just having that in the back of your mind that you know that God is calling you, but you're too afraid to step out. Or Maybe you're all the way over here and you're alone with yourself And God is telling you there's things to let go of, and from now on, you have a new identity in Him, and you can trust that. And I want you to just have a moment where you're praying and talking to God, and and wherever you're at, make your prayer affected like that, whatever you're at in life. And praying doesn't have to be this super spiritual, magnificent wording it actually, God consistently tries to tell us to pray authentically and just be real and transparent. Say, God, I'm at this place in life and I don't know where to go from here. God, I I really want to make this commitment. Tell me what, what are the steps I need to make right now. And some of you, you're in this huge place of fear and insecurity and you can't see yourself without your past attached to it. And you should be praying, God, help me to see myself the way you see me, without stain, without blemish, without my mistakes. Help me to see myself as a new creation in you. And if you're watching this, and maybe you had a moment where you need to just, you're ready to make this step of trusting in God, trusting in Jesus, and just surrendering this this heart to Him, and making him the Lord of your life, to save your soul. You know, in Romans, it says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus really just who He says He is, that He rose from the dead, that He died on the cross, that surely you shall be saved. And let's just unpack that for a moment. It says, if you confess with your mouth, what it means is if you just acknowledge this exchange that God has offered before us and that he is telling that you just acknowledge it as true and have openly have this conversation with your creator instead of hiding from him and when it says and believe in your heart it's saying just talk to god and be authentic about it that's all it is it's nothing it's not incredibly special saying just talk to god talk to him and be real and then it says surely you shall be saved." you know that that word has so many meanings because not only are we saved from hell yes that's the greatest thing to be saved from but we're also saved from so much in this world we're saved from all so much anxiety worry stress fear of our future it, we're saved from our past we're saved from just oh man so much that and walking with god in a relationship I'm telling you guys, it's the best feeling in the world to know that your creator is not just pissed off at you, to know that he loves you and that as you really just do your best and forget the rest. Sometimes my best is like a 15%, not even a 20%. There's other days where my best feels like 80%. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm pretty awesome. But dude, no matter what day I'm having, if that's my best, that's all I can give, and forget the rest and move on. Maybe tomorrow will be a different day, but why dwell on it so much? God understands our humanity. He knows that we're not perfect, and, and so whenever we have bad days, you don't have to feel like God's forgotten you now. Just do your best and forget the rest. That's what living a, a, a life as a Christian is really about. That's what living a repentant life is about, It's just doing your best, getting the rest. And so if you're here and you're listening to this and you're ready to make a decision to just walk with God, to enter this relationship with him, just pray something like this. Say, God, I believe what you did on the cross for me. Jesus, I know that you died for my sins and the sins of the world. You paid for our debt. And I believe that you rose from the dead three days later. I believe you're the son of God. And I believe that you want me to know you You already know me more than I know myself. Nothing is hidden from you, and yet you still call me and love me. Your grace and your love is so great, I can't even comprehend it. From this moment forward, I want to live a life that is walked with you. Be the Lord of my life, the Savior to my soul, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. If you prayed that today, dude, we would really love to connect with you as a church. You can hear a message anywhere. You can listen to a worship song anytime you want. But it's rare that you it, you can actually connect with a community, connect with a church, a body, a, pe- a group of people that are all just like trying to do their best too and forget the rest. None of us are perfect. And it makes life so much more special when we get to walk together through it. Going to church or being connected to a church, whether it's online or in person, there's just something about it. I, I feel like it's like a pile of coals. When we are separated from coal, uh, when you take one coal and separate it, even if you just pour lighter fluid on it all day, it will not self sustain. But when you put that coal back with the other coals, it, a fire happens. And you don't, you don't even need lighter fluid to keep it going. Just the, the heat from each other keeps this fire going. And because they're all connected. They're all touching, uh, uh, touching each other's lives. And that's what church is really about. And that just being connected... Is one of the most edifying experiences that we have to offer as church because it causes us to just grow in our faith and our spirits just like through osmosis and so if you haven't connected with gravetop church yet but you've been uh, digesting the messages and been uh being you know kind of like uh putting your toes in the water dude let let this be a moment to just jump in and get in the water and get connected because it is so edifying and not only is it make a difference in your life but you make a difference in Grave Top because there's other people that that need to connect with you they everyone else we all need connection and you're a person to help fulfill that connection in our lives so please if you're ready to get connected would you send us a message maybe you're ready to join us in person but we just want you to know that we love you so much we're so grateful for you Um, I want to thank all those of y'all who tuned in tonight. Gabe, thank you for being a part. Um, Crystal, uh, Stephanie, I see all you guys there. Laura Keller, represent. Um, uh, Lauren, thank you for always being so beautiful and lovely. She's amazing. Um, I love you guys. I hope y'all have a great rest of your evening. If you have it on your heart to give today, you make a difference at Grave Top. You help us to do what we do. And we never want anybody to feel pressured or persuaded to give. We It is something so personal. That is between you and God. And I really don't like the idea of a, me or a human being trying to pressure you to do something that you're not ready to do. It is something so personal, so spiritual. I believe it is one of the most spiritual things that we can do as a Christian because it takes the most faith. <laughs> I can pray and it costs me time, yes, but when I give, I mean money is something that like money comes and goes, yeah, but like money is money and so when I give to for me personally it's just the some of the biggest small acts of faith that I can do because I'm trusting that God sees me I trust that i'm I'm sowing something into God and his kingdom that it's not just being thrown away and so if you have it on your heart to give to Gravetop Church, we want you to know that we value stewardship and we value that you trust us with that. You can give um, by either going to gravetop.com, click the Give tab, and you can give online just like that. Or you can give through third party apps like Venmo or Cash App. I give to Grave Top Church, and my favorite way to give is through Venmo. But whatever way you feel comfortable to do that, um we, we want you to know that it truly does support and help grave top it makes a difference for us to continue to do what we do with that being said i love y'all so much if you haven't seen already we have launched our youtube videos so it's the same videos that we have on facebook and instagram but now they're on youtube so um we also do all of we put all of this audio on itunes and spotify and so if you have it on your heart um, to share this message with someone else it's so easy to just like comment and share on any of our uh on any of those platforms and share it with somebody else because you never know what it might do for that person um i love y'all have a great rest of your night thanksgiving is getting close lauren's about to be making those uh sweet potato that sweet potato casserole gonna be tearing it up um i love y'all have a great night I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, GraveTop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the GraveTop Church Podcast.